Welcome to the My Faith Votes podcast. I'm Megan West. On this week's episode, we talk with Pastor Jack Hibbs at Calvary Chapel in Chino Hills, California. Jack is extremely passionate about motivating the church to rise up and influence the community around them with biblical truth. We touched on a number of topics, but you'll clearly hear his heart for taking action because God has called us to do just that, pray, think, and act. We know you'll be challenged and encouraged by our conversation today with Jack Hibbs. Pastor Jack Hibbs, we're here at your church, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. We're so excited to talk to you because you have such a great perspective on not only being a pastor, but really seeing what's going on in our culture. So we're here in California and there's a lot going on in California. So speak to what you're seeing happening right now that maybe gives you hope, but also that Christians need to be concerned about. Thanks. I actually have great hope. And and the hope is this, not only the fact that God's people here, especially in the Southland of Southern California, know the Word of God, but California seems to have hit uh, rock bottom, as it were, regarding its cultural experiments. And we're starting to see people wake up, care, get involved, which is for us a very, very exciting thing because we see the church needing to get involved in, in, in the lives and in the powers that be that make the decisions for their lives. But there's some really big issues and it seems like California is on the forefront. So what happens in California tends to be a bellwether for the rest of the country. So we see things like the Equality Act speak into that. I know that's a national thing, but there's a lot going on in California regarding that. Yeah, the, the, the push and the move to take things that on the surface sound good. They may pitch it in such a way that, well, who could be against such a thing? But um, what happens is, and what we've seen in California for so long, is that it's almost like a wedge where it's a little opening of the door. And so when we talk about, for example, everything sounds great about equality. Oh, don't you want equality? But when you look at the definition of what's being pushed, it's a completely different thing. In fact, it's almost an inequality that's, that's being driven. And I think that's true whenever we depart from God's character or his moral rudder that he has placed up for the human spirit, for the human psyche. And so we're seeing man's description and man's definition of how it ought to be, which sadly is a departure from what and how God says it ought to be. Well, so kind of keeping with the series of issues, Next, let's talk about sex education of what's going on in California, because I know that's passionate of yours, but as a parent, it's frightening. Yeah, listen, it's beyond frightening, in my opinion, for this reason. Yes, we are the tip of the spear in California on this issue. We are equipping parents. We are uh, making sure that they understand that what is known, you're referring to the California Comprehensive Sex Mm -hmm. Education a curriculum. It is literally pornographic. I am not exaggerating. A, a parent, any concerned citizen, can go and look and see how incredibly graphic it is. K through 12. They are describing things. I must tell you, I've been married for over 40 years. And thank and, you. And thank you. But there, th- but there are things in those books that I didn't even know about that parents are going to number one subsidize they're going to pay for this with their taxpayer dollars that's bad enough but the worst thing of all is that parents are going to really receive their children that afternoon that day back home and that child having been completely indoctrinated in aberrant sexuality It's just unbelievable. And so we are all about parents taking their parental rights back in California and taking a strong stand. Because you're right, if it's not stopped in California, 
as you said a moment ago, it's going to go everywhere. So this is really, we're in the fight of our life on this so one. So how do we encourage Christians to care? Because obviously we care as parents and we see what's going on in the culture around us, but there seems to be a disconnect between what is happening and what we can actually do about it. Yeah, this is something that we're actually pretty experienced in, and that is for the last 28 years, we have been pounding on the pulpits of other churches and on the hearts of other pastors saying, you've got to address these biblical world issues that are happening in the community, in your community. So this is what we've learned over all these decades, is if you can't get to the pastor, and it's been pretty tough, if you get to the people, the people get to their pastor. If you can educate the people, up and down the state, for example, about the issues. Not only do parents need to get involved, let's be honest, the, the epicenter of what made American culture in the colonial period, which is why the architecture, by the way, on the East Coast has all these roads leading to the center of a city, a town or a village. What was in the center? What was at the axle of, the, of all those spokes? It was the church. The church was the epicenter of information. And in, in many places, uh, the most educated person in the community was the pastor himself. We've gotten away from that. We've somehow swallowed some bill of goods that say to us, you know, p pastors, Christians, we cannot speak into these political issues. But have we not noticed in these last several decades that the politicians declare or rob from us a biblical issue and then claim it to be a political issue? The definition of marriage. Is, a, is an, un, an unborn baby viable or not? The answer to those questions in debate is in the Bible, but we've got to encourage the flock to hold their pastors accountable. Isn't that a strange thing to say? The pastor should hold their flock accountable, and yet now the flock needs to hold their pastor accountable. I think if that happens, then we'll see a, a quick and great awakening in America if that does That's take That's such place. a great point because we are seeing that pastors are very fearful of yeah. saying anything that they may deem crosses the line. But I think there's this line in our heads that we're not even sure what exists. We're, we're told it exists, but you speak out very yeah. boldly all the time. Yeah. You know, listen, truth never changes. And the church needs to get back to where it really belongs. And that is, it is an institution created by God, not the state of California or not the federal government. We literally answer to God. That's how this nation was founded. And so today, uh, we have pastors that are saying, you know, we don't want to speak about those issues because um, they're political and we could lose our 501c3. Well, listen, God has never cared about a 501c3. And I don't, I don't believe that a pastor or a church should care about a 501c3 tax exemption. And we as a church have always conducted ourselves uh, outside of that realm. We speak into the culture, we, we, we state names, we state policies, platforms, and issues. You know, people will say, well, you know, the political world, you can't really understand it or know it because a lot of people lie, the politicians, when they're speaking. That's okay. That's okay. Listen, when they're done speaking, go look at their voting record. That's one thing about a politician, their voting records never lie. So you can really know a politician's view. And so, uh, yeah, we, we wanna put forth and stay behind God's truth because it never changes. And um, it's that salt and light that Jesus talked about. So the mission of My Faith Votes is to educate and equip Christians to vote because we see yeah. 
the downfall of Christians not participating in civic engagement. I mean, 25 million Christians won't register, or who are registered, yeah. won't vote. Ex exactly. And those numbers are staggering. And when we heard that, that's really the basis of how My Faith Votes was formed. Yeah. So how do we start to encourage Christians not only to care, but to say, yes, voting is important because we've forgotten that. And now it's a place where it's dirty and ugly yeah. and divisive. Yeah, we are 100% and we have been since the inception of this church uh, to change that view. And that is number one thing. Remember, we all know this, that knowledge is power. And if we know what the issues are, most, most of the people don't know. If they know what the issues are, that begins to excite them. Then when you show them, you can do something about this. We actually do live in a republic that God has given us. And I personally believe that it is our God-given freedom yet right to vote. I believe every church, because it's legal also, should have a voter's registration table, or you can, you can register to vote online at your particular church. We do that every Sunday here, and we encourage people with the issues, this is why you should get involved. People must have a cause. And here's the thing, sadly, what you just said is so true, it's so sad because the Christian has the greatest cause. We are to be salt and light. Now, now listen, this is gonna go down like a ton of bricks here. We're to be salt and light. We're to be the most loving people on the planet and the most truthful. Yet Jesus said, if you follow him and if you speak his words, you're gonna be hated. Now you think about that for a moment. We live in a culture where people, even ministries, even pastors wanna be liked on Facebook or want a, want a happy face on, on their publication. But the truth of the matter is Jesus is actually telling us, if you're gonna be like me, the most loving person in the universe, Jesus, you're gonna be hated. So my, my, my observation or my question is this, am I as a Christian, a pastor or as a church, standing for truth with absolute love, but unwavering, okay, that unrighteousness would hate us? And Jesus said, when that happens, be glad about that. And don't be surprised because Jesus said, they hated me first before they ever hated you. Now that's, that message is not getting out in, in the Christian church in America because we think that, oh my goodness, you know, th that should never happen. And yet we represent a completely different kingdom. And Jesus made that very clear. And he's the most, look, he's the most loving one that's ever existed. And yet today, his name is the only name that is used universally as a curse word. Isn't it odd? Yeah, yeah. Very interesting times. But I, I think of the Christian in my mind who, says they're not gonna vote. And I think of what their reasoning are and what they come up with. And some of the main ones is, well, I don't wanna get involved in politics because I don't like the personalities involved. And I'm not gonna put myself to vote for someone who I don't agree with. Yeah, I don't mean to insult anyone, but it's a very simplistic view. Mm -hmm. Frankly, um, I think, again, the word of God addresses that. Jesus said, watch out, really, in the end, that you don't take the talent that's been given to you and you bury it in the ground waiting for the end to come. In other words, we live in this republic, as I mentioned a moment ago, where we can, it is still we the people. We actually have a voice. The greatest political experiment in the history of man. The Christian should lead the way. Let me, let me lay this challenge out before you. If the Christian abandons the place where we can pick our leaders, something's gonna fill the void. If you turn on the lights, we see. When the lights go off, darkness fills the void. That's what's happened in America. And that's how California has gotten to where it is. The Christian did not stay involved. They uh, retreated for whatever reasons. 
and the darkness has taken power. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 29, 2, that when the righteous are in power, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in authority, the people groan. America is groaning and all of that. However, let me say this. You raised a great point that uh, I have talked about for years in, in the church that I pastor operates by. The Lord showed me a long time ago, I believe it was the Lord that showed me, regarding voting and who to pick from on the ballot, uh, the trinity of truth. It is this. From a biblical Christian worldview anyway, I look to see what candidate is most pro-life. They may not be fully, but they're most, versus the candidate. That person's got my vote. The person that understands. Now, I'm coming from a Christian worldview. The traditional, natural definition of marriage. How have they voted? How are they campaigning? That person has my vote. And then, believe it or not, God said in Genesis 12, I'll bless those who bless Israel. I'll curse those who curse. I want to know how that candidate has voted on, on Israel. Those three issues, I can then look from those three issues at all of their policies, and they will fall under or within the, those three pillars. It's quite remarkable. Whoever appears on the ballot for that office that is closest to that position gets my vote. I refuse to leave the box empty. I must fill that box the closest with the closest And it's going to take some diligence on our part. Absolutely. We have to Absolutely. do the research. It's yeah. not just show up and vote. You have to really know what's going on Absolutely. when you step into the voting booth. So another thing I hear from Christians who don't want to get involved in politics or vote, they say, you vote, I'll just pray for what's going on in the country. And I don't want to negate prayer, but how would not. you respond to that? Yeah, simply pray, get educated, vote, after you leave the box, pray again, mm. frankly. It's that simple. Right. Yes, pray, but look, it's God who said to Israel, choose today whom you'll serve, mm. choose. And so we really need to break away. You know, you're describing actually apathy. Right. Tragically, you are describing apathy, where someone will say, I'm not gonna get involved, and here's the reasons why. And to that person, it seems sensible to them. And yet when you look at what righteousness is. You know, we lose the, the idea of righteousness. Oh, well, you know, we get this white screen view, white robes floating around, that's righteousness. Righteousness simply means to do the right thing. Mm. And we need to get back to that rather than talk about it. We pray, get involved, and pray. Right, in my, my faith votes, we say pray, think, vote. Perfect. So, a little philosophy we can go into that's the voting right. booth with, but have that at all times. So when you think about the candidates and then you think about the parties, talk a little bit about knowing the difference between an emotional side of things, but really knowing the practical side Great of things, question. but also the party platforms. Great question. Take the platforms of the parties and put them up against God's word, the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview. When you look at the parties, just read them. So for example, what I said earlier, which one's for life? Is God for life? Which one is for, for example, the defense of, think about border protection. Oh, that's a hotly debated issue. Well, it actually shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Number one, it's become one because of apathy and, and disengagement. We didn't enforce the laws that we had. But the, the funny thing is, the Bible declares in the book of Daniel and the book of Acts that God has established the borders of nations and he has placed the citizens in those nations. So it's interesting because everything that comes up before me, I believe, 
because I believe in God. My Bible has the answer. I may have an emotional tendency toward a political, cultural, social issue, whatever it might be. I have a feeling. Yet, I've got to take that feeling and judge it in light of God's Word, and I'm going to go with God's Word. And I think that's part of being a disciple. And so we really need to let the the biblical worldview be our guide on these issues. You know, Ben Franklin said that after all the years that he has lived his life, he says, I'm sure of this one thing, that God governs in the affairs of men. And I believe Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Well, let's look at just in a nutshell, because we could talk on all these issues and all these things happening in our culture forever, and you do sermons on these, and people can listen to your podcast and, yeah. and go to that as well. But there's presidential candidates right now who are taking the Bible and misusing it sure. for a political agenda. How do we approach that? How do we even talk to that with our spheres of influence when it's regarding voting and the political process? Yeah, again, getting back, first of all, isn't it amazing how whenever there's a campaign season, the Bible becomes vogue, it's in vogue again. But hide it every and, other time. Oh, yeah, put, oh, it, away yeah, put it away after I'm elected or after I lose or whatever, the, the, the campaign's over, put it away. But here's the thing, again, getting back to what I said earlier, if you look and see what their voting record has been over their career, so when they do, and they, they, I think they know what they're doing. When they do show up at a Christian church or what might be a spiritual setting, they'll, they'll drop these biblical verses to try to get what? What are they looking for? They're looking for that, that Christian, the religious or conservative or moral vote. And so they'll drop that knowing, well, you know, I'll get them to think. But the reality is that they're actually, by what they're doing, announcing even to an apathetic church hey, I'm aware that the Bible and people who believe in the Bible, that it matters at election time. Well, if they do that to us, we ought to do the same to them and hold them to the standard of God's word for electing a leader over I'm gonna us. i go back to something because something that comes to mind in regards to the presidential election of 2016, and obviously Donald Trump with him winning and a lot of people saying that Christians put him over the edge to actually win the presidency. But I've seen things, especially on social media, and that's not always the best place to get right. news, but there's a prevailing thought that the Bible witness, the witness of the gospel has diminished because Christians voted for Donald Trump. What are your thoughts on yeah, that? I, yeah, actually I actually see the opposite of that. Of that. And, and, and again, you, you, you prefaced that perfectly with, the, with it being a social media issue. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, without saying too much, I'll just say that in one of my recent trips to Washington, uh, in speaking to a, a particular uh, secretary within the, uh, the government, and this person is a wonderful, believing, Bible-believing Christian, uh, did some snooping around throughout history and found out that to the best of his ability regarding his review of history, there's more Bible studies taking place in governmental offices right now than ever recorded in Americans, America's history. Prayer meetings, small groups. Now, you might say, well, there should be a separation of church and state. Uh, I don't know where that is. I hear it, but it's nowhere found in anywhere of our federal documents whatsoever. In fact, our First Amendment guarantees that uh, the church is involved one with another po uh, politically and all, but I, I actually see, from what I understand, um, a great advancement of Christians who care. You know, we're talking about getting involved, mm -hmm. and this is what's happened. Christians have gotten involved, 
and to some degrees the vote has been affected, and not just presidency, in other areas, governor races and the like, to where Christians have said, I think I'm gonna vote my biblical worldview. I don't see a diminishing of the influence of the Bible. I see an increase, overwhelmingly, of the Bible's influence on the voter. Right, and we don't hear that. And so it's encouraging to hear that from you. So to our audience who's watching, give them hope when they read the news, when they're on social media and they, they, they see the world is impossible to live in, especially getting more difficult as a Christian. Give them hope, give them assurance that we carry inside. Yeah, yeah, listen, we live in a world that is governed by God and we see all the mayhem in the world and we want to blame him for it. And yet he's already written in the book that these dangerous things are going to happen, but I'm greater. On top of the fact that we live in the United States of America. Now we, we talk about exceptionalism. It means this, that out of all the nations in the world, what happened in the United States or the colonies that became the United States is the work of God's hand with the Puritan movement and uh, the pilgrims coming where the Mayflower Compact declares, our first governing document declares that they came here to establish the freedom of Christianity and the worship of God. That is our founding birth certificate as a nation. Having said that, uh, there's hope because God has done in the United States what he's done nowhere else. People might say, well, it's, it's too far gone. My God is greater than that. If we just turn, he's waiting for a handful of people to turn back and to honor him. And he will visit. He's made that announcement already in scripture. If you'll pray, turn from your wickedness, call out to me, seek me. I will, not maybe, I will heal your land. This is a promise of God. And so I'm filled with hope. I'm very excited. And on top of the fact, I've got grandkids to fight for and I'm engaged. And I believe that every, look, every Christian should be engaged. And you don't have to be a Christian to be engaged. You just have to love this country and know that this is the greatest place on earth to be living. And we need to come back to that. But listen, what a country. In God we trust, a bold statement. No other nation has had that kind of uh, uh, boldness to declare that. Why? Because it's true. And so my God saves, my God redeems. And if he could send his son to die on the cross for my sins, that if I would believe in him, I would not perish but have everlasting life, then America has hope. If God gave me hope, he can do wonders with America. Amen. Well, we so appreciate your wisdom. We appreciate your passion. And we appreciate just how you can speak so succinctly into the issues we're facing today, but give us hope as well. So thank you for glorifying God and we'll be praying for you in your ministry. Thank you. Thank you. For us. All right, thank you. You can learn more about My Faith Votes and join our mission at myfaithvotes.org.